welcome to another episode of Supercoach Mats. Here I'm joined by Tom and Nathan, and we're just going to dissect each match and speak about our rankings. So first I'll hand it over to Tom. What did you score and any positives and any bleak players that you want to try it out? Um, I think I scored just a tick under 2,400, 2,3,97. I know I lost to you in the head-to-head league. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, half my overall, so it got tracking quite nicely. And the team, except a few uh, underperforming premiers, is going well. So, like, Matt's gone and, and Lockie Whitford obviously not performing. But, obviously, you know, no, no glaring, you know, shit shitstorms going on. So, it's I can't really complain. Yeah, nice. How about yourself, Nathan? Yeah, well, I got 2,400. Nice. Um, so... I'll just peek some my players. So this is going to hurt both of you, but Patrick Cripps, another stellar performance. Um, and my rage trade, and the, or my stud, and this is literally just about ready to be a rage trade, and Lockie Whitfield. What's happened to him? We'll, we'll get into him, but yeah, frustrating. He's very frustrating at the minute, Lockie Whitfield. Yeah, fair enough. I scored pretty similar to all three, or all two of you. Scoring... 2,400 flat um, into rank 15,000 pretty much. I think Lockie Neal was the MVP of this week, especially if you captained him. But, yeah, um, I think the spud for my team at least was um, McGovern, so I'm looking to probably trade him out. But anyway, we'll go into that a bit later. But in today's podcast, we're actually going to change the structure up a bit. And instead of focusing on each of our teams individually, we're actually going to speak about each match and then some players that stood out for all the right or wrong reasons. So hopefully we can keep it a bit short and crisp. Talking about crisp, we'll move on to him now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> late game. How impressive was he? A score of 121. Taught those who traded him out in round one a good lesson about giving Primos a second chance before letting them go. Is he one where he's now just a lock for your team if you've got him? I'll uh, start um, over to you now, uh, Tom. Yeah, well, uh, it was one that definitely did look impressive. I did um, have a listen to the Dr. Supercoach, pod, I think Dr. Yeah, Dr. Supercoach podcast um, during the week last week, which was half the reason why I kept him because um, one of the guys, I think Pistol, uh, as a Collingwood supporter, um, and he mentioned that Chris plays a quarterback role uh, for Collingwood in the midfield. So basically what that means, if you don't understand, listeners, is um, in the midfield, he pretty much gets the ball, get flicked out to him, and he's the one that kicks out forward. So he plays, you know, NFL-style quarterback role, um, which against St Kilda, because we got completely smashed in the clearances, Guys like Dugowie and Dacos and the like were basically just grabbing it straight out of the midfield and kicking it forward. So it left Chris hung and dry. Um, it pretty much changed on the weekend. Obviously, I think he had 10 tackles or something like that. So it shows he can score still with his grunt work in the midfield. Um, and his quarterback role kind of showed a bit against the Crows. I was speaking to Jeremy off air. We've had on as a, as a guest down at the centre bounce. And he actually traded Chris to Aaron Hall as a bit of a rage trade. So, I mean, he didn't lose out too much there, but glad that Chris scored 121 and basically repaid the faith of the owners that kept kept fat. And I guess it's an important lesson to learn that we're only looking off one week's worth of, of games. And even those that disappointed again this week, again, it's only two weeks sample size. So it's pretty small. Yeah, definitely. He showed, I think, this week that he can actually play in midfield. And 
whilst he started a bit slow, I noticed he kicked it out in the full and did a few um, unforced errors, if you can put it that way. He certainly was able to rack it up with 26 touches. But, Nathan, as a fellow Collingwood supporter, is there anything else you'd like to add on to Crisp or anyone else that stood out in that game for you? No. The only thing I'll say is that I hope if you traded out Crisp, I hope this is a lesson learnt to not trade out premiums after one bad game. Um, I think we said last week that that was a bit of a low game. Um, and he showed against Adelaide exactly why you picked him. So I don't know why you would have done all that research to just trade him out after one week. Yeah. Um, that's all I have to say. Plus, he's got that added benefit of being really durable, and I expect him to go around 100 to 105 for the rest of the year. So I think with all these COVID outs, at least knowing this guy's probably going to play all year, you should keep him. But we'll move on to um, the man, the beautiful man in the centre of the screen, Patrick Lipinski. Whilst he did only put a, put out an 86, that's not too bad for his price point. But considering all the other mid-price options that I assume a lot of people don't have all of, is he one you'd look at bringing in? Um, for personally me, probably not. Um, it was a pretty uncontested game and it was a little bit concerning that he was quite low. He did end up with an 86, which I guess for 300k isn't worth it. Uh, is, is not too bad. I know George saw on Twitter, he traded out steel for him. I don't know what we was thinking there. Obviously a bit of a cash grab, but um, yeah, he's an interesting one. Obviously dominate against us, but it seems like midfielders are going to leak crazy points. I mean, we're going to concede crazy points to opposition midfielders this year. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, but I think there's other options there that you got Cripps is about 100k more expensive. Um, that almost seems like a keeper at this point if he can keep his body fit. And Jai Cordell is another one that I'd like the look of as a cheaper option, um, especially with Zach Merritt out. But I mean, you can't really go wrong. It's just he's a bit of an awkward price. If he was priced maybe 50k cheaper, you'd definitely look at him. But at 300k is that very awkward price where you could argue for a stepping stone, but not really. But you'd be wasting a trade essentially because you know if he doesn't perform or or shown that he can't, you know, longevity wise not score well, um, then he'd have to trade him out to a premium. But I guess he's going to have a good price rise to start with. But it's whether he goes back to these 120s or 110s or he just sticks to a kind of 80 to 90 average. The fact he um, started off in the forward line and then pinched hit up um, in the midfield gives me optimism that he could get forward eligibility in round six and then he'd be an excellent trade-in. Like if I knew that in round six he'd be forward, uh, midfield available, eligible, he'd be probably a person I'd be trading in this week. But I don't think you should be picking players based on the chance that they're going to get eligibility unless you're very confident. So for for that reason and the fact that you got Raul and then some of the other names you mentioned, Tom, he's probably a pass at this stage. But we'll move on to um Jeremy Howe. As a as also a Collingwood supporter, Nathan, what do you think about Howe? Is he too injury prone and old, or is he actually a value option? Um, look, I I I think he's a value option, um, but I think there are perhaps more durable players out there. I think, I think someone who we are probably going to talk about this week quite a lot is Lockie Whitfield at some point. Um, I think if you have already got Adam, not Adam Chow, George Hewitt, I think if you've already got George Hewitt, 
um, and you're looking to downgrade, I don't think he's the worst option to go with. Um, but I think it's just that injury thing that's a little bit of a problem for me. Fair enough. Anything you'd like to add to that, Tom? No, not really. I think we'll move on. Um, he's a decent pot option, but his body just doesn't hold up for 22 games. It's as simple as that, unfortunately. And I think this, as as um, as Nathan said, I think our top five to five to eight defenders defenders are pretty pretty uh, obvious at the moment. I think. Yeah. And just to butt in, so just to go back, so Lipinski is higher priced than Raul, and Raul has a lower break even. So I think if you're tossing up between the two, I think Raul is definitely would be my go-to, but might be a little bit of covered about that. We might talk about that later on, I think. Yep. All right, we'll move on to the Adelaide side of things. First man, most relevant player is probably Rochelle, so we'll speak about him. And whilst he didn't replicate his, I think it was a 118 or 120 in round 128. Yeah, he still scored a decent 58 off the back of one goal and what was probably arguably a pretty clinical performance from Collingwood. So Adelaide didn't have too much opportunity. But I did notice towards the end of the game he was able to swing into some centre bounces and rack up some um, possessions. I think he reached 20 in the end. So is he a must-have rookie or at that elevated price? Do you think he's one where if you don't have and you don't have a Hayes and a Martin either. You just get Hayes and Martin and neglect Rochelle. I'll ask um, you, Nathan. Um, well, I think if you haven't got him, um, I think you've been living under a rock, personally, because I think you should have had him after his pre-season. Well, I think he scored three goals in both of his games. Um, in terms of being a viable option. Um, I don't think we can expect him to score five goals every week. Um, but I think if he could sort of get around that 70 to 80 mark, um, I think that's a lot more realistic for him. Um, and I think that'll be a nice price rise for him. So, yeah. Yeah, that's sure. that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Rochelle, uh He's one that I guess, you know, if you have him now, I wouldn't say he's a must-have. Um, but I guess if you've got the funds for it, it wouldn't be a bad option to keep on. He's got the potential to score well. Um, but I guess we will quickly move on to to Hinge. I had him a uh, quite late decision to move him in. And he's been quite impressive, actually. Um, I think he was his first-round score was... Um, 50. Yeah, 50 odd. And he was at 40 at half time, so he kind of fell off a cliff a little bit. But it showed he had scoring potential because he bombed up the scores um, at half time. And then he did this again at, against Collingwood, obviously. And he scored 84, which is not too bad. And he's got a solid role down the wing. So it seems like they rate him in a wing role. I think it obviously helps if Dawson goes back, which we'll speak about in a minute. But if Hinge locks down that wing spot, I think he's got a fair bit of chunk. Uh, cash to make and he's got a pretty solid job security um i don't think he's definitely a must have he's probably elevated for his price and if he's um prone to scoring 50s and he's got that shoulder you know shoulder history um of injury so i'd say he's one that if you have you just take him to the bank if you don't have this there's other options there that are kind of more desperate than moving down to hinge but um i guess we'll move on to your love child dawson over there (laughs) 
Before we do, if, if you didn't have either of those two Adelaide rookies, which one would you be going with and brief reason as to why? Uh, probably Rochelle, to be fair. I mean, he has the ability to score five goals in a game as shown round one. And I think Nick's moved him into the guts uh, later in that game against the Pies, and he pretty much dominated. Like, he was on 20, mid-20s early on that game, and I think he ended up half-time 24 ended up scoring 50-odd, 58, I think it was, in the end. Yeah. And he pretty much when yeah. 20s in both quarters. He looked actually really solid in the guts. Obviously, he probably won't be there when um, Rory Laird comes back, but it shows that he's not um, overawed of the situation in the midfield for sure. You share a similar sentiment to that, Nathan? Uh, yeah, I definitely would be going with Shelley over um, Hinge. And I think the other thing that helped with Shelley move into the midfield was I think Rory Sloan got subbed out. At yeah. The start of the last quarter. Yeah. Um, and I think he brings a little bit of speed and X factor to that. Otherwise, quite slow Adelaide midfield, I think. So, um, I think he might end up going in there a bit more as a pinch hit role as the year goes on. Yep. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. We'll move on to Dawson. Another interesting game by this fellow. Very similar to the first week in the sense that he started off really slow and at half time was at about 30 and then went enormous in the third quarter and then pretty solid in the fourth to finish on 99, I believe it was. And I'm not sure what to think about this pick because obviously he's a better option than Whitfield and Ridley, but he's a bit of a utility type. I saw him lining up at full forward at one stage and then on the wing and then also at the centre bounce. I didn't see him too much in the back line, but he sort of as the uh, play started rolling, would find himself behind the ball a bit as well. And his ro- his best role is definitely behind the ball, and it was where he scored the most points. But I'll move it on to you guys, because I think he's a decent option, and I wouldn't go trading him in, and I wouldn't go trading him out either. Is he one that you think will finish top six come year end, or is the fact that he keeps getting swung around and playing for what I think is probably a bottom four team, a, a big concern as to his supercoach scoring potential. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, it gives me Dan Houston vibes because he seems like he gets thrown around to plug holes in Adelaide's team. Um, it said he, I think at the team list, he started off as a wing, which was very concerning because a wing in Sydney is a lot better than a wing in Adelaide, bottom line. Um, you just have to look at the wingers in Sydney. That Sydney they score half decently, and that's where Dawson scored half his points. Um, I think a big one that the reason why he's, he's getting thrown all over the place is Paul Seedsman's out with a lingering concussion. If Paul Seedsman comes in and plays in a wing, I'm, I can always guarantee you that Seedsman ends up in a half-back line. Um, I don't think it. Yeah, it's a difficult one because I don't think all of a sudden because Dawson becomes a half-back, it suddenly revives Adelaide's team. It's just very super coach friendly. Like he's got the ability to score like 40 and a quarter um, off the half back line. But unfortunately, I think just because he's he's not a Rory Laird height, he's taller. He can go up forward and go on a wing. He's so, um, you know, he's utilizing multiple situations. I think Nick's relies on him to do that role, and it it obviously suffers his scoring because he's prone to being stuck on a half forward line, pushing behind the ball, that sort of stuff, and, and scoring peanuts. Um, and then 
you know, scoring junk amounts of time in the back half. But unfortunately, by that stage, you know, Adelaide are pumped. And then, you know, those super coach points aren't worth what they probably are in the first quarter, unfortunately. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I'll just add on. So the first thing that I noticed about him was actually how good his kicking was. He's elite at kicking. Um, I think he he barely missed a target with that left foot. But, gee, I don't know what has more loop-the-loops, a roller coaster or his role, honestly. Um, I don't know how you could pick him with any confidence whatsoever. Um when he was all over the place and it is a little bit concerning because it can severely disrupt um a player's rhythm if they keep getting moved around um so yeah i think pick him with caution is what i'll say yeah fair enough uh we'll move on um to the first game of the round which is carlton and the dogs in what was wildly deemed an upset win but pretty impressive from Carlton nonetheless. But we'll move to some of the good players before we speak about some of the more concerning ones. We'll start with Patrick Cripps, who scored 162 and looked pretty good, looked back to his old form um, and played with Walsh and didn't really play too much time outside of the midfield, I don't believe. Is he... A must-have if you don't own him and do you think he can sustain his form i'll hand it over to you nathan as an owner well some astute super coaches already actually have patrick quips and have picked him from day one um and i did flag this before round one that he did look back to his best and he's scoring he's pretty much torn apart you could say two of the best midfielders by himself I guess the only question mark over him, over him is he does seem to get injured a lot. But I think if he is not injured, I think he could potentially be a top, maybe even a top two, top three midfielder. So I think I think if you've got someone who you're not happy with in that midfield, I definitely think you should consider going down to him. But... Um, I guess you run the risk of if you if he gets injured, then you burn a trade with doing that. Um, but I mean, he looks on fire. Like he lo- literally looks like right now he could tear Melbourne's midfield apart, and that was a premiership midfield last year. I think I think I saw today that um, David King had him as the number one player after the first two games. So I think that says enough to me. I'm just glad that I went with my gut and picked him. So I'm just enjoying his scoring at the minute. So I'll hand over to you, Thomas, since you haven't got him. <laughs> well, uh, I think a few astute super coaches have George Hewitt, but we won't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll move Not to yet. The Not yet. Um, but yeah, nah, Cripps is, yeah, unfortunately he's passed the eye test. I was kind of hoping that he'd injure himself or get COVID, <laughs> even though you don't wish COVID on anyone. But um, yeah, he, he looks crazy good. Like he looks so much fitter than what he has previously. Obviously, his back was really hampering him um, in previous years, and he just demolishes midfields. Like me and Jonas went to the Richmond Carlton game, um, and we both kind of concluded that a lot of his possession was a bit sloppy in that game. But he was so clean in this game. He was flicking it out, was in the right spot. Basically, Melbourne weren't giving. Ah, uh, sorry, 
Um, Bulldogs. Yeah, the dogs weren't giving me any respect whatsoever, and you tore them a new one. Um, and yeah, 162 is is a really good score, and he's guaranteed to to rise quite considerably. Um, and I think even though he, he goes in a bit of a poorer run against Hawks, I'm, I'm pretty much guaranteed to bring him in. But we'll move on to someone that Nathan doesn't have um, and could have been a lot better around if he did have him, is George Hewitt, uh, with the scores of 131 and 117. Um, yeah, he's, he's, Hewitt's one that I had question marks over in the 399k, but he seems to have fitted into that midfield quite seamlessly, even with even with Walsh in the side. I think what will happen is when Walsh, uh, when Chera comes back in, sorry, I think Chera will move to a wing potentially a bit more and, and alternate with Walsh. Um, and even the likes of Kennedy might push a bit more forward. Hewitt's pretty important. He's, he's a pretty physical player in that midfield and provides a bit of defensive work as well. So I think it's pretty important to that midfield to help Cripps with a bit of bulk work. But I'll throw it over to you guys with um, obviously Jonathan McGovern having him in and obviously Walsh is a potential option as well. I'll just... I'll just jump in first with Chero. So, I mean, not Chero. I always get that mixed up. Hewitt, sorry. Um, I'm actually kind of disappointed that Chero didn't play um, because I think if Chero played and Hewitt still scored as well as he did, I think that would have sold me on him. Um, so, I think if you haven't got him, I think you've got Lockie Whitfield. Um, I think if you're jumping off the Whitfield ship, um, I think he's a really good guy to trade down to. Um, so I think he's a viable trade for that. Um, but I, there's just that question mark still about how that Carlton midfield is going to work. But I think the two games he's shown so far, I think he's pretty settled in that midfield. So, um, yeah, I think if I do end up doing that Whitfield trade, um, I think he will probably be the one that I get in. Yep, fair enough. I think he's a must-have at that price, and he doesn't have durability concerns. He's playing a good role. He's scoring well. He accumulates. He's not going to get tagged. If you've got a Whitfield, a Ridley, or someone else in that back line who you're not happy with, he's a very good downgrade option. So, Yeah, I'm think probably going to end up doing that. And he's got that midfield for and that, that defender midfield eligibility as well, which helps as well. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And we'll move on to um, Sam Walsh, who scored the 90. He looked pretty impressive because he racked up a fair bit of the pill, but he gave away, I think it was four free kicks and had a fair few uncontested possessions. So for me, he's one where he's not on my radar at this point of the year. I want to see how he how he goes in that cold midfield and also how he pulls up with that recent syndesmosis injury he had. And then also maybe wait until he drops um, in price to maybe the... 575 mark is he an option you for like your first midfield upgrade or is he one where you'd rather say a Petrarca or someone in the 600s who who's also a primo mid um I think with the likes of Chera and Hewitt it seems to have impacted him a little bit I'd say they're kind of sharing that clearance work. Obviously, it definitely helps with Cripps dominating the midfield. He's doing a lot of clearance work himself now rather than flicking it to Walsh. Um, I'm definitely kind of saving me out. I think Oliver and uh, Petrarca are almost must-haves eventually, even though a lot of people didn't start him. Um, so I think it's just a wait and see with him. Obviously, Walsh has got the habit of scoring 180s as well off his own bat, but 
it's just there's a fair few good midfielders running around this year. So we'll just wait and see. Obviously, he has to fully recover playing on the game with his with his ankle injury. It's definitely a wait and see for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think, Jonas, I think you pretty much summed up what I was going to say about Walsh. Is I'm definitely happy to wait on him. I think that that those syndesmosis injuries, they can take some time to recover from, and especially because he's such a good runner, and that's how he used to get most of his disposals last year was just through that gut running. Um, I think that will have a bigger impact than Chera or Hewitt. I think they will actually help him because I think it takes more pressure off him. Um, and I, I think it's just a case of he, him just getting confidence back in that ankle. Um, but I still think he can be a viable option, but not at the current time. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, move it on to a person who caused me a lot of headaches on Thursday night, which was Jeremy McGovern. Jeremy or Mitch? Mitch. Mitch, Mitch. yeah. Yeah, Mitch, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, neither of them are probably ever going back into my team. But with Mitch, scored 40, gave away some costly free kicks and um, his efficiency was pretty down, at least early on, which sort of hindered his scoring. He has shown the ability to do well in that role in the preseason games and did decently last week. But uh, on the back of this week, at least in my opinion, he's certainly a viable trade-out option. If you don't have any other really pressing issues, is he one that is on your chopping block? I'll hand this over to you, Tom. Um, yeah, I don't think Nathan has his, has him, so I don't think he, he can say much too much about him. But And I don't think it's, he's going to bring him in. But he's one that, yeah, I'd say if you don't have any pressing issues, I'd kind of wait and see a little bit. Um, we talked about this off-air. It seems like the game is quite fast-paced. And he just couldn't get the ball into his hands. He was basically playing that last man goalkeeper style role. Um, and the ball just didn't get flipped into his hands. It was a very fast paced game. Um, so he could change against Hawthorne. I'm not too sure though. However, for me personally, I've got other people I can bring in, players I can bring in. So he's he's kind of the first one. Unfortunately, his, his um, floor is way too low. To get a 40 um, is slightly concerning considering that. Even though he scored a 76 uh, last week, he had a strong patch of scoring and then barely touched the ball after that. So it seems like he scores in chunks um, and doesn't have a consistent run. And it's just purely based on his role a little bit. Um, I don't think he's the best kick in the side. Obviously, Doherty doesn't. If Doherty wasn't there, he'd be much more confident in Gov. But with Doherty there, everything seems to go through Doherty, similar to, similarly to Jaden Short. So he's one that he's kind of does all the team stuff. So he puts on the Shepherds and the one percenters, but... He just doesn't get the ball in his hands often enough. Yeah. He's got a break even of 40. And I noticed last week he wasn't really looking for that cheap sort of ball when the ball was down there and Carlton had possession of it. So for me, he's one there. If you're tossing up between trading him and Barry and then a few others, I definitely have um, McGovern at the top of the list. But anyway, we'll move on to the Bulldogs side of things. And we'll start with uh, this man here, Jack McRae. And I'll hand this one over to you, Nathan. Um, do we have to pay up for Jack McRae if we don't own him at the moment? Or do you think if you, with all the value that's going around at the moment, we should be searching for that and waiting for a 110, hopefully out of McRae before getting him a few, few weeks later at a slightly discounted price? 
Um, well, as an owner of Jack McRae, I've been very happy to have the captaincy on in the last two weeks um, with his scoring. Um, obviously, he hasn't been the highest scorer, um, but he, he's just been Mr. Consistent. He just racks the pill up. He's got a good left foot. Um, he's always sort of in and around the ball. So um, I think you have to get him. Um, but I think if you haven't got him now, um, I think you're going to have to wait. Um, I think his break-even this week is sort of quite... His break-even this week's 134. I mean, I don't really worry about the break-even of, of him because I've already got him. But I think if you haven't got him, I think that break-even score becomes very important um, to sort of try and pick a time to get him in. And obviously, at being that high price, if he does get like 100, it's going to really push up that break-even. Um, but it's just a question of if it's going to happen, um, which the way he's playing and the way the Bulldogs sort of have to pick up their game, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. So, yes, I think you need him, um, but I think that's just a matter of waiting for the right moment to get him. Yeah, fair enough. All right, we'll um, move it on because I assume McRae has... Or it's, Tom has similar sentiments yeah. on McRae. And I don't think there are too many other relevant Bulldogs nah. players other than Dunkley and stuff who you should be owning. I would say, yeah, Dunkley got 97. So I think he's a must-have in the forward line. Yeah, yeah. All right, but we'll move it on to Sydney Geelong, which was quite an extraordinary game. I didn't have too many Supercoach players here, so I wasn't really that invested in the game. But we'll start with... Isaac Heaney, who I initially had for a lot of the preseason, but then the second it seemed that he was going to play a lot of forward time, which he still has, I jumped off. And with his recent 140s, and I think he's kicked eight goals in the last two weeks, is he one you'd prioritise getting in over, say, a Cripps, or is his injury history and position on the field too much of a concern? Bring this over to you, Tom. Um, yeah, he's one that I've always been sceptical about. Um, I thought he was just an average midfielder from what I saw last season, but he's kind of proved me wrong. What it seems like he's doing is he's starting forward and his work rate's insane. He pushes way up the field and, and dominates around the midfield, and then he starts a few midfield contests, which obviously helps. You obviously can you know, argue the point that he's requiring just his, his score is obviously, you know, he needs to score goals, but... He's just such a good kick for goal, and he's so dominant around that forward line. He's always buzzing around, and he's so awkward to play against because he's so, so strong around the core. And he smashed apart Geelong, and Geelong's got a very strong defense as well. So it's one of those things where I would probably prioritize Cripps in a sense because I wouldn't be surprised that Heaney's body just fails him at some point, even though he's had a pretty uninterrupted preseason. Um, but he's one that personally I'm thinking that if I'm able to bring both Cripps and Heaney with the money I got, I might bypass Brody, for example. Um, but I'll see how they go. I probably it probably requires me to use a trade boost to get there, but which I don't really want to do. So I'd say he's one that maybe I could wait one more week to see how he goes again, and then bring him in because you know just with his you know four four forty is definitely unders for him, but so is Cripps. So. Paying, you know, potentially 500 for him. I'm not too fast in the forward line. But I guess we'll move on to Dylan Stevens and Nathan can, can talk a bit about, about Stevens as a rookie pick. I'll just, I'll just jump in with Isaac Heaney. So 
I have an interesting thing about Isaac Heaney. So if you so I had a look through did some little bit of research here. So Isaac Heaney's the number one scoring forward at the minute. Butters is two and Dunkley's five. Alright. Now there's a good chance that those three are probably gonna be the three highest scoring forwards of the year. If you have Dunkley and Butters already, I don't think he's a must-have this week. I think there's other priorities. If you haven't got Butters or Heaney and you've just got Dunkley, I think you probably need to bring one of them in. And if you haven't got any of the three, um, I think you need to just delete your club, in all honesty. Um, So, yeah, so I think... If you've got Butters and Dunkley, I don't think he's a must-have this week. Um, but Stevens, um, yeah, he he looked really good against um against Geelong. He scored the 95, so his, his break even's minus 56. So he's probably going to go up about 50k. And um, I think he looks pretty settled in that Sydney side. I don't think they're missing too many players with injury at the minute. Um, so I think. He's got a role in that side for probably the next four to six weeks at least, which is probably all we'd need unless he gets injured. So, like, if you haven't got him, he's probably someone you should possibly consider bringing in um, just because of that price rise. But, um, yeah, I think you should probably already have him. Yeah, I, I like his role, and I do think he's got good job security, and he's been in the system for a while now, hard draft. Yeah. He's going to get pick minutes. five. Yeah, yeah. They'll well, they'll want to put their time and effort into him. I don't think they'll be letting a pick five just go to waste in the Sydney side playing at some paddock in Queensland. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think they'll keep him in there. I think he's showed enough to say that he's probably in Sydney's best twenty-two at yep. the minute. Hundred yep. percent. All right, we'll move on. And I don't think much needs to be said here, so I'll keep this short. But Dangerfield is a hard avoid, especially considering he's mid only and had a pretty poor game and he's too volatile. He scores big, but then he has an off game. And with Stewart, I think he's a very good pick. Um, I don't think injury is much of a concern now. 103 obviously means that if you don't own him, he's not going to burn you. But unlike Hall, who I think is a bit of a problem not owning. And he has a good role, but for now he's not really a pressing problem as to bringing him in because he is at 585k, I think. So one where you can just let him go down in price a tiny bit, maybe wait for a slight dip and then pick him because he's he's scored low to hundreds. That's nothing, nothing to write home about, but it's nice and consistent. So yeah, where... Yeah, you just wait and you pick Heaney and Cripps and all these other players who have low break-evens. But we'll move it on to the next game. Yeah, I'll just say I feel sorry if you traded out Crisp and bought in Dangerfield. Yeah. Um, I don't know anyone who would have done that, but if you did, um, hopefully you learn a lesson. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll move it on to this game, which was much more pleasant viewing, at least for me having the captaincy on Lockie Neal. Um, and we'll speak briefly about him because I think if you listened to this podcast last week, we suggested Lockie Neal is a good captaincy option given the fact he 
had some good recent scores against Essendon, and Essendon don't seem to target all, so that's, that makes Oliver and, and or Petrarca good options this week. But if you're a non-owner and you don't have Crips either, you're probably not doing amazing in ranking anyway, but... Um, <laughs> If you have, say, a gone and then a bit of money in the bank, you can hopefully maybe get Crips and Neil, but say you don't have that luxury, which one would you be prioritising trading in? Uh, God, no, that's a good question. question. Oh, look, I think... Look, I mean, I think they're both must-haves, obviously. Um, well, that's a really hard one, I think. I, I don't know if I could answer that. I mean, I think... They're both sort of different type of players that are both really effective. Um, I think I think I heard somewhere, I think Lockie Neal had two contested possessions in the first quarter, and Essendon actually did a good job of sort of trying to shut him out. So the fact he ended up with 198 from basically three quarters um, is just astonishing. So I'd maybe go Neil just because I still think Brisbane are a better side than Carlton. Um, and I think there is still that support around Neil. And Brisbane's midfield hasn't really changed much. Whereas I still sometimes think that with Carlton, with Cripps, there's obviously a lot of new players in that midfield that he's scoring even though it, it hasn't been impacted yet it could get impacted at some points whereas i think neil's a little bit safer in that that midfield's a bit more settled so i'll, I'll go neil just yep how about you tom uh probably neil to be fair he's just ahead of crips here yeah? yep yeah uh yeah neil i think um Cripps obviously has a bit of injury concern as well that his body just gets battered up because of his contested nature. I was a little bit concerned, to be fair, about Neil's game early on. I was watching that game early before I, you know, uh, a commitment later on in the evening, so I couldn't watch the rest of that game. But I was checking on my phone, and when I saw it three quarter time, it was on 140. It was like, you know, back to his best. I think um, he's got the capability of scoring 200s without even putting much damage on the scoreboard which just shows that how talented the guy is to get the pill. And I think if you don't have him, you know, Cripps as well, I'd definitely prioritise Neil over Cripps. Um, Neil plays North as well on the weekend. So watch yeah. out for another big score, I think, if that's much attention. Good captain option this week, I reckon, locking Neil again. Yeah, 100%. Yep, that's fair. I agree with that. Um, we'll move on to Barry, a more controversial pick in the sense that people aren't, are a bit undecided as to what to do with him. Personally, I'm on the side of trade if you've got no other problems. You don't have McGovern, you don't have Chapman, for example. But as I have McGovern, and because I think Berry has displayed the ability to score pretty well in periods, for example, he scored 160 in the preseason game and 60 and a half last week. He's one where I think at his really low break, even one where I think you can at least hold for a few more weeks and let him make some money because his break even's 14. He's also playing North Melbourne. His shoulder is a bit of a concern, but he did lay five tackles. He was tagging Merritt a bit, but, I mean, at least he was playing mid, mid-time getting around the ball. And a 76 is a much more palatable score than a 40 from McGovern, put it that way. So... 
I think um, Barry, I definitely am in favour of keeping. The only real question I pose is, say Barry's your only avenue to McGovern, to um, Cripps, and McGovern's your only avenue to Heaney. Which way do you go, considering we're all in favour of going Cripps over Heaney, but what if there was that other other side of the equation? Do you keep Berry and um, Heaney, or do you go um, McGovern and Cripps? I'll hand this over to you, Tom. It's a good question, actually. I haven't thought of that. Um, poor. Easy answer for me. Oh. I'll let you you answer it. Yeah, you answer that, Nathan, first, and I'll see what you say. Um, I would definitely be getting rid of McGovern over Berry. Um, I think you summed that up pretty well, um, Jonas, in your s- summary, that I think McGovern is more of a concern than Berry. I think Berry can score well. Um, and I think McGovern, unfortunately, I think for him, I think Doherty has killed him. Um, so I think if you've got McGovern and Berry, I would go and trade McGovern to Heaney. Um, but I think if you're getting rid of a premium, um, like if you say downgrading, I don't know, like if you're getting rid of a steel and a Dunkley, for example, if you're in that scenario, you obviously wouldn't be getting rid of them. Um, I'd be going steel down. But I think if you're going up, I think you'd rather get rid of McGovern because I think Barry can score, you know, 100 odd. And I just can't see McGovern doing that in Carlton's current the yep. way the role that he's got at the minute. So, yeah, I think in that scenario, I think I would be more inclined to get Heaney in and get rid of McGovern. Yeah, thankfully, I'm not faced with that sort of proposition. I can swing Ad Brody in the midfield, so I can swing him up forward and then directly trade McGovern to uh, Cripps. But yeah, well, I, that's what what I was going to say with the base of your question, it was if you're able to swing a, swing a mid into the forward line, 100% you get rid of Gov. It's more so if you're stuck with that conundrum where Gov is stuck in your forward line and Barry's in your midfield, a bit, bit more of a difficult situation. But as Nathan said, I'd, I'd say Gov is definitely ahead of uh, Barry on the chopping block because Barry's got the potential to score. Um, he's also got the huge potential of injury as well, which is a bit of a concern. Yeah, and he's got a lower break even than the McGovern's break even's already 40, so his money making's pretty much finished. Whereas all all Barry needs is sort of the hundred score and his break even's gonna plummet. So um I think Barry's definitely the one I'd be keeping at if you've got that option of Barry and McGovern, I'd be keeping Barry and saying goodbye to Mitch. Yep. Uh sounds good. We'll now move on to um Essendon, who had some pretty interesting scores and we'll start with Ridley who scored well but did not impress me whatsoever. I don't know how he got that score. Yeah. And some people, I think I was speaking to um, Spiller's super coach. he was actually in favour, at least equal in favour, of trading Ridley over Whitfield. So it sort of shows that scoring can be deceiving and that some players, whilst they score well, are not necessarily good premium options. And I think Ridley fits that bill at least – for the time being, given the fact that he's losing his kickouts and with the sheer volume of defenders that they've got there, he's not really getting as much supply and distribution as he did prior in prior years. 
But if you do have Ridley, where do you go from here? Do you trade him over a Whitfield? If you don't have Whitfield, do you hold um, Ridley and hope he goes well, or do you go down to someone else or even up to a Stewart or a Hall? Um, yeah, he's one that he's a little bit risky. Um, I was definitely an advocate against Ridley a little bit just because I think Essen's defence has changed a fair bit. It's gone the past days where Ridley's taken every single kick in and um, and going everything through him. It it seems like they're more confident with their list of defenders just rolling through, whether or not that changes. But to be fair, scoring only 102 um, and scraping the ton, and he barely, I don't think he even hit 100 last time on round one. So he's one mm. that I'd probably hold still just because it'd probably be a waste to trade unless you're going straight to a haul or something and you're only using the one trade. But I think if you're facilitating other moves ahead of Ridley, Ridley could turn the boat. I think Essendon didn't help. They got beat as well. Um, probably helps him a little bit. The Merritt's gone as well because Merritt floated back a bit and taken a cheap uh, pill here and there. So it could change. Who knows? Um, but I'd say wait and see maybe another two more weeks. And if if it's a case where he's scoring barely hundreds or sub-90s, um, then you're in a bit of strife. But I guess Nathan can answer the next one with regards to Zach Merritt. Unfortunately, he had his um, injury, which is out for eight to 10 weeks. And he was looking as not a bad option, um, scoring 113 or 117, but obviously out for a while. Not necessarily Merritt-wise, but what are your thoughts on... We'll get to Jonas's thoughts afterwards, but Nathan, what are your thoughts on how it impacts um, two players in particular, and they are the likes of Parrish and Cordell in particular? Well, I actually had Zach Merritt on my watch list because he's been sort of floating around the back line. I was hoping he might pick up defensive eligibility at round six. Um, and I think that was going to be an easy trading because um, I think he'd easily be a top six defender. Um, but just with those other midfielders, so obviously I think it will help Parrish especially. Um, I think last year when Merritt didn't play, I think Parrish was basically a top eight midfielder and obviously he's not there again. So I think that makes Darcy Parrish a little bit more viable. Um, I think he's going to be the one that it benefits the most. Um, and just to go back, I think the Ridley one, um, I think if you have the most perfect side in the world and you literally have no shit plays on your field, um, then perhaps you can get rid of him. But I wouldn't be going down. You've got to send him straight to Hall or Stuart or someone like that. You, you can't be dicing with bringing in someone like a Sicily or a Chero. I mean, not Chero, um, Hewitt with with Ridley. Um, I think you just got to go straight up to um, Hall or Stuart because he's probably a D2 um so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it'll help Parrish. Yeah, fair enough. I think I disagree with the call that you can't go down to um, Hewitt for Ridley. I think that's a move that I would definitely look at if I had Ridley and not um, Hewitt. And also with the Merritt thing, Merritt played every game last year in the home and away season, so it's hard to get a read on if it benefits Parrish or not. But Who was out then? Um, Shield was out. Oh, no, it was Shield, sorry. Yeah, sorry, That's it was right. Shield. But, yeah, I think it means he gets a bit more centre bounce action. Um, with regards to the tag, I don't think that has more of an impact because 
Taggers were going to perish anyway, even when Merritt was playing. I think, yeah, as you're saying, it has more of an impact on Caldwell. I think he'll get some more mid-time. But at this stage, just with the sheer um, volume of good options that are around in the midfield, Merritt's one where, I mean, Caldwell's one where I think I'm just going to have to pass up on. Although he looks better than Barry, I'm not going to spend a trade to sideways to, to Caldwell yeah. because Caldwell could do a hamstring in the next week or so, yeah. score 40 and be a dead pick. So... I think it's a bit of a waste, but yeah, hopefully it helps Parrish because I am a current owner and he's been tracking along okay, but I'd like to see maybe a 140 next week, but might be tough against Melbourne. But anyway, we'll move on to the next game, which was Port Adelaide and Hawthorne. So this was quite an interesting game in the sense that Port Adelaide just fell apart. Not in a super coach sense necessarily because Butters scored a 136 and... I think he's also a bit of a must-have. I'd be prioritising him over Heaney because at least Butters is getting that mid-minute time and doesn't need five goals each week to score well. Um, but, yeah, if you don't have Butters, what do you do? I'll bring this across to you, Nathan. Well, I think you have to get him in. Um, I think he's someone who I definitely didn't have in my initial starting squad. I didn't have him throughout the practice matches. And he sort of came in after the a series when I said, yep, he's definitely going to play midfield. And he really has added an X factor to that midfield. Uh, but what I like about him is he can go forward. He can kick goals. And I think these goal-kicking midfielders, um, I think this is going to be the way going forward for these midfielders that they have to be able to kick goals. Otherwise, you're not going to get these scores out of them. And that's what I like about Butters. So I think you've definitely got to have him in. I think if you can afford to get him in, um, I think this is a way you have to do it because he's going to skyrocket. I think his break-even's like 15 or something. Um, and his, his break-even's nine. He's projected to go up 41k. So if you're happy to pay, I don't know, like 485k for him, um, you can wait. But I think at that price, he's a must-have. Yeah. Um, and we'll move over to Boak. Tom, what do you think? Is he any sort of super coach relevant? Or at that age, is he one where you're just going to skip, even though he's been scoring that well? Yeah, I mean, probably skip, to be fair. Um the only reason I put him in there was because I was surprised he actually scored that well. I haven't actually watched much of the Port game, uh, any Port games, to be fair. They've been very disappointing. However, he does seem to be, from the glimpses I've seen, he does seem back to his best. Um, but he's one that, you know, in uh, in comparison to, say, Cripps and Heaney, who have scored your 140s and you want to bring him in, Folks one that if you didn't bring him in, there's probably no point because you missed out on probably one of his two two of his best scores of the season. So it's nice to know that he's capable of scoring huge like he like he does in his heyday, but he's getting a bit old. And I think, um, yeah, he's one that might fall off a little bit as the season goes on for sure. But I wouldn't be surprised if he continues his scoring for the short term at least. But I guess we'll move on to the Hawks players. I will say he's a good point of difference. Um that's what I was. Doing. I know my my friend last year, so I'll give a shout out here. So one of my friends actually picked him at the start of the year, um, last year, and every week he just kept messaging me, going, "You gotta get onto Boke. Um, he's spectacular." So he did die off towards the end, but 
I think he's a good point of difference. Um, but yeah, we'll move on. Oh. Yep. So Hawthorne. Um, we'll speak about Mitchell really quickly, but he doesn't deserve too much time because he's not worthy of that. It's poor score, injury. Um, I think he had a groin complaint leading in, and he's one where I wasn't really hot on him coming in, and unfortunately didn't suck too many people in just with the the amount of good options there were but he's one where I wouldn't be picking any t- any time soon unless he shows some sort of Brownlow form from whenever he won and I think it was 2018, 2018 was it yeah I yeah think so yeah and so I think he's playing he's not playing pure mid anyway I think he's playing a bit of forward as well so he's one where it's a hard avoid but We'll move on to Sicily, and as a proud Sicily owner, Nathan, you want to give some, give the listeners some uh, context into the pick and whether we should be trading him in? Um, well, I've got him ahead of um, George Hewitt, um, which hasn't been a total disaster. Obviously, Hewitt's scoring more than Sicily. Um, so I think definitely if you put Hewitt in over... Sicily, I think you can probably give yourself a pat on the back. Um, but I don't – he's not – he wasn't the worst – like, he wasn't the worst choice. Like, he's still averaging in the 90s. Um, and at that price, like, I, I think he's probably going to go up. Yeah, he's, he's break-even 73, so he should probably get that. Um, I don't think he'll be a top six to eight. I think he might be a top ten. Um, which I don't think is too bad for someone who's 448k. Um, but I, looking back now, I do wish I had have gone uh, Hewitt. But um, I haven't been too concerned with Sicily. He's still in there. He still hasn't caught the rough yet of Michael Christian. So as long as he's in there, I think he's going to keep scoring. And I just see here there's a little thing about Will Day. I don't think he's... Will Day is going to impact him too much. I think his kicking will still help him out a lot. So, um, yeah, I think if you have if you've got Sicily like I do, I don't think he's the worst. Yeah. Um, pick in the world. Uh, obviously, Hewitt's been scoring better, but I I don't like I don't think you should be too disappointed that you've got Sicily in your side. Yep. Um, is there anything you'd like to add on? To that with regards to the Hawthorne rookies, Tom? Uh, yeah, so Josh Ward, um, Connor McDonald, I think probably not really didn't talk about him. He was 117k in bench fodder regardless. Con- uh, James Ward was interesting. Um, obviously dominated against... What's happened to him? Yeah, he dominated against in the JLT, but that was without, you know, Amira, Titch and um, the rest of the Hawks midfield. But... He came in first round, looked pretty poor, unfortunately, for owners. Um, definitely did a lot better in the second game, which was nice to see. Um, and I think he's got like 85 on, on AFL Fantasy. So he must have, I didn't see the game, but he must have butchered the ball a little bit here and there. Um, 50 odds, not the best, but I think we just got to keep him because I wouldn't be surprised if there's one game where he goes a bit ballistic and scores maybe 80 to 100. And then it re rejigs his cash generation. I think in this scenario, even with the height and price tag, he's one that purely because of good job security, he's pretty much been named in a wing in two two out of two games. 
unless he gets suddenly dumped into the bench all of a sudden, um, I think we just got to keep him and, and hold him unless he pulls out another couple 30s and you've got to dump him. But I think for now, just hold and hopefully you're, you're picking the job security over the scoring potential. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I'm holding too. Yeah, for sure. He's high draft pick. Heaps of potential. So now on to Gold Coast Melbourne. Um, pretty close and even contest. And these three men flew out of the blocks in the first quarter. Um, Took Miller, the goat that he is, um, was able to maintain the rage and scored 140. So he's one where if you don't own him at his price, you don't need to trade him in at the moment, given the value picks that there are, but one where you need to find a way to get him in by season's end. But we'll move on to Rao, who started on, I think it was 35 to 40 at quarter time, and then moved more onto like a defensive sort of role where he was stopping or trying to at least um, Oliver and Petrarca. And in, in the process had some pretty quiet stints where he didn't touch much of the ball. Is he I I don't have a concern with him if you if you have him at the moment because that first score was so impressive. But I think what's more relevant now is if you don't have him, is he one you have to bring in? Um yeah, I can answer that one. It is yeah, he's one that it's a tough one. It probably didn't help that he got deployed as a tagger, unfortunately, um, because I think if he if he had another hundred plus score in him, um, he'd be you know all the rage to try and get him in. But seventy one isn't a terrible score against the Premiership side. However, I think there's probably better options out there. Um, I don't think he's a must have. I think Cripps and Heaney are at a bit of an elevated price compared to to Rouse, probably a, a better option. I wouldn't frown upon if if you brought him in, but I think. Um, there are a few concerns around that issue, whatever whatever Stewart you decided to do. Hopefully it was more of a learning thing than an actual future thing where they try and play him as defensive mid. But I think if you have him, you just keep him. There's no need to trade him after that 71. There's no way you trade him. But I don't think he's really 100% you want to bring him in. I think there's a lot of value options this week, not only on the midfield line, but obviously on the forward and defensive line that you want to bring in ahead of Rao. Yeah, for sure. Anything you'd like to add on to that, Nathan, or do you want to get straight on to old mate Wits? Yeah, look, I, I obviously have Rao, um, so I was a little bit concerned that he did get sent to stop on Pachaku and Oliver, but um, I think I think that was more of a um, I think that was more of maybe a bit of a flaw in him. Maybe maybe that's a message from Stuart Jew saying that maybe your defensive game isn't as strong and that we're going to send you to this and maybe you can learn a little bit. Um, I think that's what Collingwood are doing with Nick Dacos, playing him off half-back. I think maybe McRae's identified a bit of a deficiency there in Dacos's defending. Um, and they're sort of trying to teach him a little bit of, you know, more defensive side, um, which I think will help him in the long term. But... Um, yeah, I'm not too concerned about. I'm not too concerned about the pick, um, but I am a little bit concerned about if you haven't got him and you're looking to bring him in. I think there are better options. Yeah, fair enough. All right, we'll speak about wits. I think I'll keep this short because I think he's a good option at his. 
price compared to Marshall and English and in particular Gorn. But I still have my doubts around him because of his durability. And he's one where if you're trading down to him, you have the cover in Hayes. But I'm a bit scared that he could go down at any time or just fade away as the season goes on. I know you only need him for seven to eight weeks so he can make that money to get up to a um, a Gorn or a Darcy or someone else if you don't have Grundy, for example. But the fact he scored 75 is understandable. He was playing a pretty good Ruckman. But I'm just not sure on his ability to cover the ground and I think he'll tire out a bit. So he's one where if you're looking to downgrade Gorn, I would probably prefer Tim English because of that forward swing. Um, but certainly not the worst option. Is there anything you you guys would like to add on the wits pick? Uh, not really, to be fair. I think he's one that probably, as you said, English is probably a better downgrade option. Wits is one that is a good negating Ruckman. Um, so he competes really well against, um, you know, those top tier Ruckman. But I think, He's one that it would be a bad idea, but you'd have to have a really good reason why I want that spare 300k. I think he, he could get in a situation where he body wears out a little bit, um, and who knows if he if he does another injury. He's pretty injury-prone, that guy. So I guess he's one that you have a pretty good reason to upgrade. Um, uh, upgrade other players if you're going to downgrade him. But I think there's a few other better options than just simply downgrading straight to wits. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I actually still can't believe he's the Gold Coast Suns captain. So, obviously, being yeah. at Collingwood, um, I don't know how he managed to get the Gold Coast Suns captaincy. But, um, yeah, no, I think there are better options than Wits. Um, but he's a good price. I will say that he's a good price for his scoring output. But, yeah, I think there's better options long term. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to the game, which was... Uh, we'll move on to Melbourne, sorry. Um, Christian Petrarca. <sighs> you I'll just me. answer this. Yes, he is a must-have midfielder. I don't That's my short answer. He had 41 possessions and couldn't crack the 130 mark, which was pretty um, similar to what he did last year in terms of his disposal efficiency. Don't get me wrong, he's a good pick, but... I'll hark back to it. You are paying still 606k. You can save 150 by going Heaney and Cripps, who will make that extra money. Petrarca, I think he's a good option, but um, he's certainly not a must-have because we've seen he has the ability to start games and seasons and matches hot, and he'll have lulls in the season where he scores 100 and falls back down to earth a bit, given his disposal efficiency. Plus, I think teams are going to start um, realising that they can't give this man so much space that he gets 41 disposals a game. So I'm expecting a bit of an output drop. He did play some pretty friendly teams, so it's one where, like, good job if you started him. You saved a fair bit of money compared to going Jack Steele. But, I mean, I would be probably prioritising some other picks over him in all lines, to be honest. But we'll move on to um, a guy who I'm not really sure what to think about, um, the orange-haired 10-gamer in Bowie. 
He's in my team at the moment as a trade-in target simply because of Salem's injury and the fact that he had, I think it was 34 touches, won the Rising Star, 150 score. The issue I have with him is he hasn't proven um, the ability to score in this role on a weekly basis, and he did score 58 in the match before, but... The reason I'm picking him similar to Cripps is I'm pretty confident they'll be able to make 150000 pretty quickly. And as a defender, he presents a nice um, downgrade option from Whitfield. But I'll, I'll bring it over to you, Tom. Is um, Bowie one that you're looking for, or is he too raw and unproven for your liking? Yeah, he's one that definitely didn't surprise me um, actually maybe surprised me looking 150 but didn't surprise me that he scored well without Salem he's a very good kick he's elite foot skills um definitely showed that when he got selected for the final series um I'll give you a few not stats but when Gold Coast played West Coast West Coast defenders in Gov and Foley also scored very well so Govan scored 115 and then Foley scored 98 so I'm not exactly sure if that's a correlation to Bowie's ballistic score, that it could be that they're just leak points for defenders. Who knows? Um, but he's one that with this 151 in his cycle will be a good cash grab. Having said that, he's I wouldn't blame you if you tried. I mean, I'm actually contemplating myself if I bring Bowie in as a bit of a cash grab as well um, while Salem is out. However, um, Salem got injured quite early in the piece in the first round, within the first five minutes. And Bowie only, only scored 58. So whether if that was a case of a transition period where Bowie's now fully locked into Salem's role and it simply wasn't the case in first round, um, or if he has and he just didn't score well that first round, uh, it's kind of hard to say. However, they, they play Essendon, so he should tail up against them, I reckon, as well. Um, but he's one that at 260k, I think it is, if you're going up from Gov and doing a few DPP moves, it's, it's 100% not a bad option and, and makes your defensive line a bit bit easier. But um, I'll move over to Nathan quickly because you're a Gorn owner as well, same as me, obviously. Um, Jonas has gone the opposite option with Marshall. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Gorny, Nathan, considering that we've both got him? Um, are you looking to offset him this week or are you sticking fat with, with the big, big man with the beard? I'm praying that Luke Jackson goes down with an ACL injury and he's ruled out for the rest of the year because he has literally come in and destroyed Max Gordon, honestly. Um, I don't know what happened in that Amy Community Series, but they were both in that side together. They both scored well, and I think everyone was like, well, Jackson having... Jackson being in the side doesn't seem to affect Gorn and his two scores so far in the season have just not been good enough. Um, look, I'm a little bit torn with him. Um, he's a favourite of mine. Um, obviously, everyone loves, loves Big Max. Uh, but I think if you haven't got him, I think well done. If you have got him, um, I think he's sort of in the same basket as like a Whitfield or... Um, uh, like a um, Ridley, in that if you haven't got anything else, I think you can afford to get rid of him. Um, but I, th- I still have some hope in my heart that he will bounce back at some point this season. So I've been inclined to keep him, uh, but it's definitely concerning his scoring. Yeah, I mean he has a break even of two hundred and four, and 
He hasn't scored great, but you know he'll be a keeper. But yeah, Tom, as as you're an owner, this is probably more relevant to you. What are you thinking of doing with him? Um, I was whilst well, you guys have been talking, I've been actually thinking of my trades. I've got the ability to go from Barry and McGovern straight up to Heaney and Cripps, which is very tempting. Um Gorney's an interesting one. Yeah, he's obviously doesn't have the greatest break even. The one that I would go down to is English, if that's the case. He's got DPP, especially if Steph Martin's not playing. He's guaranteed pretty much 100 in, in some sort of equation. And plays Sydney as well, who doesn't have the greatest rucks in the world. However, if you look back into round one, me and Nathan were at the game, he, he had very nearly moments, basically meaning he just could have towed up against... Um, against English, but just missed so many opportunities, had so many clangers. And the second game against Gold Coast, A, he played wits, who's a very good negating ruckman, as I've said earlier. And it was also a very dewy night. Me, like Gold Coast's um, home deck is terrible to play in on a Saturday night. Um, St Kilda's done that all too often. It's always a very shit close game that, that tools don't do really well in. Um, and he missed a fair few marks there as well. And he's known for his contested marking. So... I'd be a lot more concerned if it comes Saturday night or whatever, whenever they play. It might be Friday night, actually. Um, yeah, Friday. So he's playing Draper, and Draper's a pretty slow slow guy around the ground. And I think if he towers up against him, it'd be good good to hold him. But if he doesn't and Jackson continues his rock dominance, um, it could be a bit of a concern. But I think I might hold fat just because I don't want to use three trades this week. But we'll see how we go. Definitely on the option, though. If you're holding him this week, you're not trading him the next no, week. I know. Break no, yeah. no, like I've got no I've got no plans on trading him at this stage. And I don't want to trade him. Fair enough. Uh we'll move it on to well, it's quite a strange match in the sense that West Coast were completely depleted, but it was um a good match if you were an owner of Hall, Jason Horn Francis and Zeri. I had Hall, I didn't have Hall, sorry, I had Hall, Francis and Zeri, who both scored pretty well. Touching on Zeri, I think he is pretty much a must-have, given his the role he's playing, his job security, and yes, he, he played an undermanned West Coast Ruck team, but he scored 120 and bang, playing pretty much sole Ruck without CCJ in the team and Goldie pinch hitting here and there. I think... He's 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 pretty suited for Supercoach at that price, and he has the added benefit of getting uh, ruck eligibility, which he will unless he gets injured um, in round six, which may provide and prevent present an option as to swing him into the ruck line momentarily if you need cash somewhere else to then be able to um, just hold fat. But I think. Tom, you'd agree that he's a must-have? Yeah, uh, just this whole first ruck debate. Um, definitely confirmed against West Coast. Obviously, he played a waffle side, so it doesn't really help. Um, but he scored 120, which was which was impressive, considering that that's what you expect if you play a shit ruckman. However, yeah. I think the more pleasing thing is is that Goldstein really didn't do much ruck at all. It probably, from what I saw from that game, I probably watched about a half of it was that Sherry was rucking for the majority, and when Sherry came off goal, he would do about five minutes and spend the rest of the time forward. They definitely looked a lot better side without CCJ. I think the three tools really convolutes that forward line, and they're not mobile enough that they can generate um, a lot of diversity, a lot of you know height in that forward line, unlike St Kilda does with Marshall. Um, 
So I think, yeah, Jerry's definitely one that you want to pick up. He's obviously not going to come up against BJ Williams um, the whole time in a West Coast shit midfield. So Scored negative two, I think it was. Yeah, so I think it's one of those things where you just keep him and he's going to make a truckload of cash for you and he's going to get the ruck eligibility come round six and he could be very handy um, having him as a, as a bit of a swap. But I guess we'll move on to Horn Francis. I mean, me and Jonas are pretty you know, fine with that. Any thoughts if you saw that game, Nathan, about um, Horn Francis? And if 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 owners don't, I mean, if non-owners are looking to bring him in, well, I think if you haven't got him, I don't know what you've been doing because I think he literally is in about seventy-five percent of sides. So, um, if you haven't got him, um, good luck. Um, I probably wouldn't be bringing you. I probably wouldn't be bringing him now at that price. Um, I think we'll just enjoy the 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 cash rise. But I will say. Um, I'll just touch back on Cherry real quick. Um, if you have got a McGovern and you can't afford to go up to a Heaney or Butters, um, I think he's your number one guy to go to, um, Cherry. I think he's just about the must-have forward rookie at the minute. Um, that's ahead of Hayes and Brody and uh, Cornelio. I think he's the must-have forward rookie, uh, Tristan Zeri. At, at that price and at that scoring, um, I think if you've got someone like that and you get rid of him, I think he's your number one guy if you can't go up to Butters or Heaney or someone like that. Yeah, you've nailed the head there. All right, we'll move on to the West Coast side of things. And just quickly, it wasn't Bailey Williams who scored negative two. It was Jack Williams. But no. Uh, um, I think we'll keep... West Coast pretty short because they're pretty irrelevant. And also the COVID outs, geez, one of their players can just get it so easily. So I'd really be erring on the side of caution with West Coast players. But Willie Rioli scored 117. I think he's a non-option given his role and the fact he came up against a West uh, a North Melbourne back line who don't defend very well. He's 225. I mean, you have the upside of high ceiling I suppose but I mean he needed a few goals to get there and whilst he did have some center bounces he's one where he's not he's not a born midfielder so I don't see him scoring that well there only up forward when he's kicking goals so for me he doesn't present any real uh, value compared to say Xeri or Brody so he's one I'd avoid um, I don't think we need to touch too much on him. I'll just give a very simple answer. What do you What do you use to kill a mouse? Mouse trap. Mouse trap. That's exactly what Willy Rioli is. <laughs> a trap. Don't yeah. go near him. Um, and we'll move on to Nash, who Tom was sort of interested in, and he's done pretty well to be honest, but. He is 190, I believe. So he's competing against Brody and Zeri and Rochelle. And I think, just simply put, he's not as good of an option as those three. So for that reason, I can't fit him in. If you say a defender, then, yeah, I'd, I'd look at him. But um, I'll hand it over to you, Tom. Is he one that you regret not picking over some of those names I just said? Or uh, just probably. think you just can't fit him in? Yeah, probably not. Couldn't fit him. If if Sherry and, and Brody didn't exist or more expensive, 100% Nash would be in. 
He's one that if he gets the opportunity, he scores well. Unfortunately, I think he'll be locked in that wing side. He looks quite impressive. Um, and his scoring potential is quite good. Unfortunately, who knows with this COVID situation, whether he might get it next, who knows. Um, he's one that if Rochelle didn't have all the hype around him, I'd 100% swap Rochelle for, for Naish. But rochelle has got that X factor about him that, you know, you don't find him many players. So unfortunately, I think he just got a pass on Naish. And, uh, you know, he could have been one that I reckon would have been a much better pick than Ward. So it's twenty twenty hindsight. You just can't pick it. Um, but even then, I think Ward's almost got better job security than Naish. Naish got dumped on a bench when um, the full complement of West Coast players are in. But I wouldn't be surprised the way he played that now he's kind of locked in, hopefully, into a wing role, which would suit his scoring quite comfortably. Yeah, fair enough. That's a good assessment. But we'll move on because, of course, the podcast has drawn on a bit longer, but I think as the weeks progress, there'll be less options that we need discussing. So I think... um, I think it's always good to have a longer one at week three as well because there's a lot of trades that happen this week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, to this game, another upset... We'll speak about the shining light, which was Jaden Short, who had me a big concern last week with the fact that he had more possessions through kick-ins than regular possessions. But he scored 136 and proved the haters wrong, I suppose. Um, is he one you'd prioritise over, say, a Hall and a Stewart, given his price, or... Is he too volatile in the sense that he could spit out an 80 at some stage when Richmond um, aren't taking many kick-ins that you'd rather go up to a steal or a haul who you know will score 105, 110-plus? I mean, considering I'm an owner as well, I don't think you prior... I mean, I reckon you'd prioritise him over a Stewart um, just because he is capable of scoring those 130s. He just takes kickouts for fun. He's literally the only Richmond player that will take kickouts. Like he will jog from midfield to get a kick out the guy. And, <laughs> and he literally never steps he always steps a foot outside and he kicks a short kick and you, you guarantee points. I think he's one that thrives under uncontested footy. Um especially when Richmond are beating up on a side he just scores for fun. He's one that had obviously a bit of concern last year when he was scoring, you know, really well first half and then completely die off the second half. But this time he definitely continued on and almost scored a 140. So he's one that at his price, he's very impressive. And I think you'd be laughing you had him. However, I think you'd be prioritizing someone like Hall, who does the job even better. And it's probably a better kick um, moving forward. Yeah. All right. Um, we'll move it on to Whitfield, who impressed in the preseason, said he was in the best shape of his life. Didn't have really any injuries. However, has spat out two low 70 scores. And I'll hand this over to you, Nathan. I believe you're an owner. Uh, Unfortunately, yes, I am an owner. I think a lot of people are because it was a very hyped pick at the start of the year, and understandably so at 500K. But what do we do with this? Do we trade? Um, Or is he one where you're going to give... Give a second chance and hope he um, turns good, knowing that if he puts out another 70, he'll, he'll drop 40,000. Um, look, I think this would be his third chance if I kept him. Um, I think the f- 
first chance of 73-70. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to throw this answer the same as Jaden Short, because I think they're both similar type of players. I think it depends on the makeup of your back line. Um, I think if you have Aaron Hall, I don't think I would be trading in Short yet. Um, because I think they're both similar players. I think they could both spit out a 70. It could cost you. Um, but I think if you've got, say, a Stewart, I think Short is a great option because he is capable of going higher. Um, but, yeah, I think Whitfield, look, he's the one that I'm really concerned about. And I think with George Hewitt being on the bubble at that price, um, I think he's going to go up about 60K. I think Whitfield's going to come down about... 40-odd K, they're basically going to be the same price. Um, it's very tempting to just cut my losses on Whitfield and go straight down to George Hewitt, and I don't really lose much out of that. Um, I just lose, you know, obviously I he's still got defender, for, defender midfield eligibility. Um, I guess you just lose the 100 or you gain the 130K um, and you just enjoy the ride. But it is it is concerning if you've got Whitfield, because ideally I didn't want to be trading him in. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think I think he's one that I'm trading out this week. He just looked disinterested in patches and almost a bit injured. And I think, Tom, you were mentioning he looked like he was carrying some sort of niggle and struggled to cover the ground whilst he was taking a few kick-ins. The fact that he still scored that low with 22 touches has me concerned because I look at his uh, game and I see I don't see too much scope for improvement. Say he had three free kicks against and five clangers, then I'd be like, okay, if he tidies up his possession, then he'll reach 85-90 and be okay. But the fact that he was pretty clean with his possessions and had a fair bit of the ball sort of seems a bit alarming to me. But... As you paid a bit more specific attention to him, is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Um, I've just got the stats open here. He scored 88 in, uh, in fantasy, which is not the worst score in the world. He also had four clangers, so that could have contributed to a really shit score. The other thing is, is that he did have 90% game time, so I'm not. It's it's one that I'm interested to see if they're hiding an injury. He did look like he was in second gear the whole game. But, I mean, GWS got absolutely hammered against Richmond. Not mate, not necessarily in the scoreline, but they just looked disinterested the whole game. So it's one that's interesting. Um, they do play Gold Coast this weekend. So if anything goes by the, the stats that I got from the West Coast and then Bowie's going nuts, who knows? That might mean that Whitfield gets off the chain a little bit. So mm. it's it's one that you're just looking into to the teams that have played Gold Coast and the defenders scoring well. So it could be a bit of a you know, bullshit story that I'm kind of making up. But based off the trend there, who who, who knows if Whitfield, he's one that definitely can hurt you a little bit if you trade him. He's almost one that you get rid of him and then all of a sudden he scores 150. It's like, why the fuck did I do that for? Um, but I think if you don't have Hewitt, he's, he's a very obvious move to move down to him. I think it's a cash grab. He's very handy. Um, and Whitfield's one that's always prone to these scores. It's, it's one that Everyone says, oh, yeah, you need to have him, yada, yada, yada. Well, he's always going to score your 70s at some point. He's, he's done that year in, year out. He's never had a season where he's constantly scoring your 100s. You're bringing him in because he's capable of scoring 150s and, and, and so forth when he gets off off the chain. And for a defender, that's really handy. So I think 
for me, I have the potential to move him up to Hall if I'm jiggle my trades a little bit differently. Um, but he's one that I wouldn't be against just holding and, and see how he goes because I could see a lot of people dropping off this year and I mean not this year, this week and potentially burning them. Um, similar similar to how Crisp was last week. I think I think you'd only get rid of him if you're going to a premium or down to Hewitt. I don't think you'd be getting rid of him to say Sicily or someone in that sort no, of four hundred and fifty K mark. Like I think you've either got to get rid of him and go up to Stuart or someone like that or down to um Hewitt. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to the next game which was Fremantle St Kilda. So your boys got the dub. Yeah. But more importantly, at least for me, Will Brody proved himself to be a half-decent pick given the fact that he scored 101 in albeit limited game time. But I'll put this to you too. Um, I know um, Tom doesn't have Brody, but he's looking to get him in. I'm not sure about you, Nathan, but is Brody a must-have at his price and forward eligibility or do you think you can afford to go without yeah, he's one that I'm definitely on my radar purely because of the cash grab. It seems like Fife's out for another month, so that definitely helps Brody's claims. He did play very well against our boys. I mean, as I said, we're known to leap points, so it didn't surprise me at all that he went 100. However, the big question mark is his, is his time on ground. I don't think you can use the same excuse again, where last week he was stuck on a bench for 20 minutes. He genuinely had 60% game time this this, this week. Um Obviously, he's playing a waffle side next week, so I could see him going quite large again. He is one on my radar that I can do Crips and Brody instead of getting Heaney in and, and waiting on Heaney for another week. Um, so he's one that's definitely on, on my radar because he's got a potential. Like, his scoring potential's there. It's shown he scored 76 pretty much in three quarters, and he scored 100 there. And for 224K, you're laughing. Um, but, yeah, I'd say that, you know, obviously Jonas and Nathan have got, got them both. Um, with Sherry as well. So he's one that, that's definitely high on my radar. And I think he's a pretty important player to bring in if you've got the likes of Cripps and Henny already. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to disagree with that. I'm actually going to say if you haven't got him, I think there's better options. Um, if you're looking, if you've got all the other forward rookies already, bring him in. But I think if you haven't got Cherry, Rochelle, Rochelle, um, Cornelio, if you haven't got them, I think they're better options than Will Brody. Um, I'm still concerned about this 60% time on ground. Um, I know he's got 101, which is very impressive from basically half of game time. Uh, but my problem is, is if he has 60% and he only has, say, 10 or 15 disposals, um, what's his scoring going to be like? So um, I think, I think. He's not a must-have, but I think um, I think if you've already got these other forward rookies and if you're missing one, then you could probably do it, but I wouldn't have him at number one. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, you've got to also remember they played Adelaide and St Kilda, and, and Adelaide aren't the greatest sign in the world, and St Kilda, as I've said before, are leaking points in the mid. So, and they're playing not West, the greatest sign in the world. They're playing West Coast, is it, this week? I think Freo. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so he could go big again, but then I don't know what they're doing after that Freo. So, um, yeah, I think 
I think if you've already got him, well done. Um, but I wouldn't be rushing to bring him in um, if you've got more pressing issues, because I just think that he, that 60% time on ground is quite concerning. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll move on to Brayshaw. I think it's just another classic example of a midfielder who we all couldn't pick given the um, the fact we could only pick two to three um, really good Uber premiums. And so he's one where I just probably uh, good on you if you picked him, but I wouldn't be um, stretching and climbing mountains to pick him. And then with Darcy, and it's the roller coaster. I, I mean, he, he might get up, but I think um, clearly his scoring prowess was on show again. But the fact that he was injured proves to me that I want to wait until he falls enough in price and shows a consistent run of um, durability where he's actually playing um, for me to actually pick him. So. It's a bit tough if you did pick him because I think he's probably a trade-out because the fact he was actually subbed out of the game, unlike yeah. the last few times where he's powered through, suggests that there may be something uh, more serious behind this injury. But we'll yeah. move on to Saints sides yeah. of things. If we add to that um, before we move to Saints, I mean, I watched that game, you know, obviously could be a secure supporter. Um, he actually didn't start many of the centre bounces at the start of each quarter. So I definitely think there's something that's not quite right with him. Meek started all the centre bounces in each of the quarters, I'm pretty sure. And then Darcy rolled in after that. It's obvious that, as Jonas said, his scoring potential is elite, but there's seriously something wrong with him. Uh, niggling away that I think uh, the Frio um, doctors were not too keen on because subbed out pretty quickly, um, and definitely it was his other knee that was the issue this time, not his knee that gets constantly strapped up. So there is a bit of concern there, so I think you'd be best to trade him out if he doesn't get up for next week for sure. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, and I'll just add in on Andy Brayshaw. Sorry, I know we've been doing this for nearly an hour and a half. <laughs> um, I'll just add in on Andy Brayshaw. I think the question that everyone's waiting for is can he still do this with Nat Fife in the side? Um I think that's why some people might have been a bit hesitant. But if Fife's out for another month, I could see him scoring these well for another month. Um, and then it'd be interesting to see what happens when Fife comes back in. But I think he's a future of that Frio midfield, and I think we will be talking about him one day as being a top a top pick. Yep. All right. Uh, Sainers. With uh, St Kilda, who... I know they haven't been very good for us in terms of Supercoach at the moment. You have Owens, for example, Steele, Marshalls, I don't know. Now, we'll start with Steele. Uh, clearly, I don't think you trade him after that 112 and the history that he's got of scoring. But if he scored an 80, I'd be a firm advocate of trading him. He does have a high break even, but I think unlike Gorn, this is a player who will come back to form and average around 120 he had 13 um tackles i believe so his intensity is still there but he's lacking the ability to find uh the ball as much as he used to last uh, last year i think he had 22 touches which is pretty abnormally low for jack's usual output so for me i'm just gonna sit back 
lick my lips and wait for him to drop to 600k before picking him. Certainly would not be advocating trading because he will be M, M, top M6 midfielder come season end. Um, and hopefully once some of these players like Billings and Zach Jones and Hunter Clark come back, you'll actually have some players to handle the ball to because I'm not sure Gresham and whoever else are rolling in there is a suitable and sustainable plan. But as a Saints man, is there anything you'd like to add to that, Tom? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help that we're decimated a little bit in the midfield. It was kind of like last year we had injuries everywhere, and this year we're missing key midfield players. So it definitely helps when people come back into that brigade. Um, Darcy Tucker also spent a little bit of time on him on ball. So around stoppages, I think it was a hard tag by any means, but it was a bit of a bit of a head-to-head. I think he's had two tough finds where we've been smashed in clearances against Collingwood, so he couldn't really get his teeth into it. And to get 112 from not doing much and just tackling um, just shows he's got scoring potential. I'd watch out, though, if you're willing to trade him. Uh, big watch out. They're playing the Tigers, Tigers leap points, and Ryder could be back um, on a Sunday Arvo. So you can watch Steele absolutely tail up if Ryder gets taps down straight to him for sure. But I'll quickly move on. Uh, I'll, I'll let um, Jonas and Nathan dissect Rowan Marsh a little bit, but I'll talk about Jack Sinclair a little bit. Um, if you're looking for a differential, I know that someone messaged us on Instagram about options under four, uh, under 500K and Sinclair popped up as an option. He's one that seemed to have moved into the midfield purely because of injury as well. And I think it, I'm hoping as a St Kilda supporter, it's a permanent move into the midfield. He's got one of the silkiest, you know, cleaner skills in our team, bar maybe Bradley Hill. Um, and he seems to find the pill as well, which is good. So 460K, he's definitely a pot option. In my fantasy team, actually, I've got him in. So instead of uh, Lockie Whitfield. So he's one that um, I'd watch maybe. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you want to trade out Whitfield to a, to a Sinclair. I wouldn't hate it as a bit of a out-there move. Um, they play Richmond again, who leak points. So he's one that I'm hoping stays in there, but you know, realistically is in there because of the injuries to our midfield, and we just needed to change it up against a Collingwood team, which outpaced us, and it seemed to have worked wonders for us with Gresham Sinclair. We do look pretty small in there, which probably doesn't help, but Sinclair's one that wouldn't be the worst move in the world considering his defender. Could even get defender mid-eligibility if he stays in that midfield rotation. But what are your thoughts on Marshall Jonas as an owner? Um, obviously was impacted because you had to get rid of Darcy round one. Um, but what are your thoughts? He only scored 67, um, obviously against a double up with Darcy and Meek, which is a pretty rough combo to go against. But if from all reports, apparently Ryder's expected to come back. Um, I've heard some news this evening that he's pretty much looking towards a comeback. But what are your thoughts on Marshall? If, if Ryder's in there, if they play all three, I've heard that Saints TV, I uh, was listening to Jake's review um, after the Frio game, that he's hoping that Marshall predominantly plays forward and Hayes and Ryder are the two ruck combos because Hayes um, probably, and uh, Marshall's a better forward than Hayes. What are your thoughts on that sentiment uh, moving into the Richmond game? That's a disaster for your rucks there, Jonas, by the way. Sorry to buddy. That's a disaster. Darcy, yeah, and now you've got Marshall. Well, I mean, it was a blessing in disguise that I couldn't pick Darcy because he got an injury. <laughs> oh, Marshall's not doing much better. At least he's not going to drop um, to like 50K this week with a 204 break even, I suppose. But um, 
I don't know. It's hard to tell. He was playing against a good ruck um, division. But, yeah, he didn't look overly impressive. And the Rider news is a bit concerning. But, to be honest, I'm not going up to Darcy or Gorn. And I'm not trading down to Wits. So, the only option that could be somewhat plausible is English, who I still have a few concerns over. So for me, he's just a hold at this point and just hope that he can score half decent and stay on the park so that I can eventually trade him to one of the primo rucks. But I think he's, I think Hayes is more versatile. So I think Hayes um, will spend more time up forward. And with Ryder, I'm not really sure how much game time he's going to get because his fitness level wouldn't be there. I don't know how much preseason he's had. I think Marshall is equally a fine Ruckman, maybe not tap Ruckman, but covering the ground. So I'm not too fussed. I think uh, Marshall will still get plenty of time. I think it it probably affects Hayes a bit more because Marshall's seen as the predominant Ruck over Hayes. He's, he starts the game in, in the uh, centre bounce, whereas Hayes is up forward. So I think it more... It may impact Marshall a bit, but I think it has more impact on um, Hayes in the sense that Hayes will probably be like 90% up forward and um, Marshall and Ryder will be sharing that time. But in saying that, I think um, it may help Marshall in a way because it may mean that Ryder's on the bench, Marshall's playing, and then when Ryder's on the field, Marshall's resting rather than going on the bench. He's resting up forward or down back or something. So I'm not too concerned. If he can average, say, 90 to 95 at 530K, I'm not too fast. I'll wait for Gorn to reach a similar sort of price and then decide sideways. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's too much concern. Um, obviously, it's a wait and see. I think St Kilda, would, if they play the three tools, will look a lot better than how North played the three tools, for example. I think they're a lot more mobile that you could almost keep all three on the ground at, at the one time and cause real problems um, for yeah. opposition teams. Like, I'd say Marshall's a lot more mobile than CCJ, for example, and then you're worried about Marshall playing forward and all of a sudden you've got Hayes to deal with. So I think it could be a bit of an issue for opposition defenders if we go down that route. However, I also wouldn't be surprised if Hayes has a rest or something like that and they trial Marshall and Ryder only to see how we go. But I wouldn't wouldn't be against having all three for sure, just to see how that goes first. And if that doesn't work, then probably Hayes is the one on the chopping block first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's all we got time for today. I know we've been on for a while, almost an hour 40, but I think obviously with round three coming up, that's when the price changes hit after round three. So it's obviously a lot of plays to go through, as Jonah said, as the season wears on. We'll have less um, you know, players to talk about and more in-depth on the players that we do choose. But um, we've got a few things lined up, which are pretty exciting. And um, I know that a whole bunch of you, and I think a few of my phone's been going off for the last five minutes, a few of you have been sending more questions in as well, which is nice. So hopefully we'll, we'll do a separate video on that later in the week, probably when the teams come out. And that might be a thing when we do that going forward, because I think going over two hours is a bit too long. Um, so well done for listeners that held on for that one. But until then, we'll, uh, we'll catch you for the Q&A uh, later this week.